on my phone a second ago because we're talking about Sukkot today, which is sure. something to celebrate. Every Monday I get these updates to celebrate because it's telling you you're another week, you know, along in your pregnancy. So you're today, almost halfway there, right? Yes, yeah, it's 19 weeks. Wow. So next week will be... 20 weeks, halfway, for and sure. What is the size now? Now, it's the size of a tomato. <laughs> tomato. <laughs> this is your granddaughter getting, you know, growing. She's six inches now, so it's giving me little updates about My that. My granddaughter is a tomato. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're definitely going to celebrate in February, but you're telling us what to celebrate right now, the Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to February, too. It's Purim, yeah, a baby near Purim. How, how cool is that, huh? <laughs> All right, so a couple of the themes of... Um, Sukkot that we're going to bring to the New Testament because a lot of times it's Old Testament things you're trying to figure out how to relate to it. Well, let's flip New Testament for a moment because the greatest ever Feast of Tabernacles happened while Jesus was walking the earth, as you would expect. Mm -hmm. It was during his third year of ministry. He'd been in Jerusalem a few months before and healed the paralytic by the pool on the Sabbath, faced a bunch of backlash from the Jewish leaders. He went back to Galilee for some months to teach and continued facing a lot of attack from the leaders. While he was there, John the Baptist was beheaded, and obviously Jesus grieved him deeply. Then he fed the 5,000, walked on the water, taught the crowds that he was the bread of life. Now we're told that from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So he's facing leaders that want him dead, followers to stop following, and then we arrive at the fall feasts. I'll pick it up in John 7. After this, Yeshua traveled around in the Galilee, intentionally avoiding Judea and Jerusalem because the Judeans were out to kill him. But the festival of Sukkot in Judea was near. His brothers, his real brothers, those born to Mary, uh, tried to convince him to go to the feast, but he doesn't travel with them. However, after his brothers had left the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now, at the festival... The Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, nah, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. So you can see there's a lot going on that's, that's happening in, in the crowd that they're just trying to come to terms with. So not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? And they began to argue, is he the Messiah? And Jesus said, I'm not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You don't know him, but I know him because I'm from him and he sent me. And at this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Now, that's one of those passages you read, and if you don't know Hebrew, you, you, you may just go, what in the world? Because he says something there that uh, um, just bothers everybody. And it's not really clear here in English what caused him to try to arrest him, because English Bibles use the Greek word there for I am, imi, I exist, I am. In Hebrew, it's yehe, and it's how God describes his own name. For when God appeared to Israel in Mount Sinai, the first three words he said were Anohi, Elohecha, which is Yehovah, Elohecha, I am Yehovah, your God. I am Yehovah, your God. So those words, I am, mm. became something very special because it's a, literally the description of God. So the fact that God describes himself as I am has created one of the more fascinating qualities of the Hebrew language. Only God is in the present tense in, in Hebrew. They don't say, I am hungry. They say, I hungry. 
They don't say the table is big. They say <laughs> the table big. Uh, it's like <laughs> when you're a child, how do you learn this language? They can say, I was hungry or I will be hungry, but not I am hungry. There, there's no is or am in Hebrew, the language. The present tense of the verb to be is reserved for use by God alone. So only God can say, I am. God is the central focus of the entire language. So needless to say, that's what he said. He did a yeah. So while we can't see that in English, uh, in our English Bibles, if you read in the Hebrew, but they couldn't arrest him. And it seems like they tried throughout the whole festival. But during Yom Kippur, I told you that the events of the book of Revelation take place during the fall feast. So when you get to Revelation chapter 7, just like we we're in John 7, you've arrived at the Feast of Tabernacles. And here's what it looks like. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. That's the clue that's here at the Feast of Tabernacles. So there's a lot going on during the feast, including bringing gifts, as I said. Besides your gifts, you bring two things to Sukkot, a citron in your left hand and a lulaf, a palm branch, two myrtle branches and two willow branches all bound together, the lulaf. And now on the seventh day, which is called the Hoshana Rabbah, or the Great Hosanna, willow branches were beaten against the pavement next to the great altar to symbolize the casting away of the nation's sins. Because remember, you've gone through the, the days and the days of awe and the day of atonement and all of that, you've repented of all, and so you're just now giving a physical semblance that the sins are gone. So at this time, the people waved their lulafs while the Levites chanted the Hallel, which is uh, Psalm 113 through 118. For those who know him and loved him, the irony of the Feast of Tabernacles would have been really hard to miss. Jesus arrived quietly as the people shouted the words of the psalm. The voice announced the coming of the Messiah is heard. Wow. The voice announcing the coming of the Messiah is heard. And there comes Jesus. Even the name of this special feast day, the last day, Hoshana Rabbah, is all about Yeshua, Jesus. You see, Hoshana joins two words together. Hosha is save us, and na, which means now, but it really means now in a really emotional, pleading way. You don't have a way to say that in Hebrew other than repetition, but just so you know. So Hoshana or Hoshana is a very emotional way. It comes from that last Hallel Psalm, Psalm 118. Save now, I pray, O Yehovah. So here's the part that's significant. Hosha, the first part, is also the part of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, which means Yehovah is salvation. That's what the name of Jesus means in Hebrew. So at the noisy celebration of the feast, the priests are trying to find a way to arrest Yeshua, Jesus, but they can't seem to accomplish it. Meanwhile, the people are trying to decide if he really is the Messiah, and they're all shouting some variation of his name, Yeshua, save us, for the entire week. So it, even for him, it had to be unusual. And they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of Yehovah. So here's the thing. Yeshua, or Yahashua, as as originally said, as it was originally spelled, literally was joining together of Hosha and Yehovah, which means Yehovah is salvation. So when he said that verse, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he literally meant himself because his name literally is mm. part of Jehovah. So the great Hosanna, the Hoshana, which cried out Yeshua Jesus literally by his name, was also sung during Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The very same Hallel Psalms 
they sang at the feast were sung by the crowds again the very next spring on Palm Sunday when Jesus entered Jerusalem through the Eastern Gate. Now, Jesus would recite Psalm 118 during the Last Supper, and he'd hear it echoing over and over while he hung on the cross as it was chanted by the priests as they slaughtered hundreds of thousands of lambs. Mm. So both feasts are connected by this Hoshana pleading to be rescued. So what's interesting about the kind of connectivity here, in Exodus 3, Jehovah said, I have seen how my people are being oppressed in Egypt and heard their cry for release from their slave masters because I know their pain. So this is God. He's coming to Egypt to set them free because he's heard the cry of the release. It's Hoshana. So 1,500 years later, the same continued cry of his people caused Yeshua to lay down his glory, to put on flesh, to come deliver his people. And we know this from John 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in as well. And they'll listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. So in fact, the words of Psalm 118 would come true that next spring and Passover. Here's some of those words. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord or Jehovah. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Oh, give thanks to Jehovah for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Mm. And this is what he actually wrote ahead of time to be sung over him as he was being crucified. Kind mm. of amazing. All part of the Feast of Tabernacles too. I love that all of this is going to be on the More Music app later. It's going to be on our website, too, so you can read more, learn more about how to celebrate. You know, there's a yeah. lot of different things that you and your family really can do. But I think that's interesting, like you're saying, he wrote a song. He wrote what he wanted to be saying while he, you know, was crucified. That's amazing. As well, that's, um, yeah, it's powerful.